Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Lauren Conlin, and welcome to Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon? So while we work on securing an amazing attorney, <clears throat> Eric Bland, God, I hope, I hope, I hope. I'm going to take you all down a path to give you a better idea of why I think Grant's mysterious death went down the way it did. But before I begin, I want to point out that it has been reported by multiple sources that Aaron Solomon apparently or allegedly made phone calls to the fathers of Grant's friends the week of his funeral, Grant's funeral, asking if they thought that he quote unquote did it, or if it looked like he quote unquote did it. I mean, guys, that is, that is not normal and that is, is not okay. And I also want to point out that it's July now. I'm actually recording this episode on July 4th. So happy 4th. But Angie's having a really hard time. It's, it's July. The anniversary of Grant's death is July 20th, and that is coming up. And there is a lot for, for us to do here with this case. So, um, I just want everyone to keep Angie and Gracie in their prayers as they endure July, which obviously every month is hard for them, but I can only imagine that July is the most difficult. So, uh, with the recent launch of the GCA and GC survivors page on Instagram, and that stands for Grace Christian Academy and Grace Chapel, there are a lot of former students and teachers coming forward to share their story. And I, I think a lot of these stories are important to, um, to Grant's story, just so people listening can get a background of the way this town and surrounding towns worked. I mean, the hierarchy really did come from 
you know, this mega church, celebrities go there, politicians go there. So yeah, there, there was a hierarchy and they do seem to exert a lot of control. Uh, something that was noticed on social media, I believe it was the Freedom for Gracie account or maybe the GCA Survivor account was there was one or two people that came forward and said, you know, I had an okay time there. My experience was positive and these administrators were nothing but nice to me. And you know what? That is wonderful. Really and truly, I am so happy for those people that they didn't endure what some of the other students and parents endured. <clears throat> but, you know, from what I've researched, the people treated well at the school and at the church were connected people or very wealthy people or powerful people. And I mean, I know that happens everywhere, but but that's not okay. That is that is not okay, especially in a house of God or or you know a school of God where people should hands down be treated equally. I mean, they should be treated equally everywhere. But you get what I'm saying. Um, that was the common theme that the people that were treated well, they um, they had power or they had money or yeah, they were famous. So. Um, you know, something I've I've personally been going back and forth about is uh, the dragging of of the names of the administrators and and people that chose to turn their back and not help with this. And look, do these people deserve to have their names dragged? I mean, absolutely, yes, they do. They their lack of action or whatever they decided not to do, turning their back and just ignoring. What, what Gracie told them or what Grant told them. I mean, because of this, the course of so many lives have been changed and not, not for the better. I mean, this is what they did was, was despicable. And I guess in my head, I'm kind of like, well, look, if we want some of these women or these female administrators to come forward and say, okay, you know, we did this because XYZ told us to, or, you know, we were just order takers, whatever, whatever they want to say to help us out and move our case forward. I don't see it happening um, because of the way their names are being dragged. And again, I don't blame, I don't blame anyone for dragging these names, myself included. I mean, I try not to do, you know, specific posts for these people because I don't, me personally, I don't think, um, that helps my cause and what I'm trying to accomplish. But yeah, it's just, it's something I struggle with. Like, what do we do to get these people to do the right thing? And, and I don't know. I'm not trying to be naive at all, but I, I just don't know. I know there is, one TikToker out there who's so amazing, and I think he is up to something with um, what what his angle is, but it's it's pretty great. I got to say what he's doing, but again, that's not my personal style. Uh, just because I'm I'm trying to figure out how to get them to talk right and to to help after all this time. So um, anyway, let's get to today's episode. So I'm featuring an interview with a quote unquote member of the Justice for Grant and Freedom for Gracie Army. His name is George Brewer. And George has been amazing. He's been a big advocate for Grant and Gracie getting justice. And he has his own story from being at GCA. And no one out there can say it's defamatory in any way because it's George's story of what he experienced and what happened to him there. And, you know, it's really, it's, it's not okay. His, what he experienced is, is truly not okay. And, um, something he said that really hit home was that more people haven't come forward 
about Grant and Gracie because they're afraid. And speaking of being afraid, I'm just going to pivot to this. Grant's girlfriend at the time of his death, Hannah, finally took to her social media to speak out about Grant like directly to the camera, not just sitting in the background of a viral video answering a few questions because she's, you know, she was in the Chronicles of Olivia video and she, um, you know, she just kind of said some facts, but she's never actually shared her feelings. So in this video, she it's on TikTok. She said, I really haven't come forward until now because I was afraid. I was afraid of, of even getting sued. So I think that's what a lot of people are, are dealing with in their head. And she didn't even say much, Hannah. She said she's going to um, make a post at a later date on her own platform because that's where she wants to share her story. So I'm looking forward to that and hearing what she has to say. But yeah, I mean, we have a $20,000 reward being offered for information leading to an arrest and still nothing. So I do think that People in Franklin, Tennessee and the surrounding areas are, are afraid to come forward because they are afraid of what might happen to them. And, and George kind of even says that as a joke. I hope, you know, nothing happens to me, uh, by coming forward. And we kind of laughed about it, but it's really not funny. It's, it's not funny at all. And, um, you know, I've, I've joked about that too. Like when I went on Mayor Giuliani's show and he said, Oh, be careful. I'm kind of like, but, these are men of God. These are women of God. Why? What is there to be careful about? But oh, anyway, um, I'm not trying to be naive, but let's hear let's hear George Brewer's story of his experience at, at GCA and how that ties in with Grant. And George does give a bit of a background on his life, which I found interesting. So here we go. Hi, everyone. I'm sitting here with George Brewer from Tennessee. George, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Lauren. I am so just blown away by the support that you've shown Grant and Gracie and Angie and our community here in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, so I'm, I'm truly honored to be joining you and everyone else in this fight for justice. Well, thank you. And yes, to be more specific, you were in Franklin, Tennessee, and you and I met online. We started following each other and you had DM me and you said, look, I went to GCA and I, I would like to share my experience with you. And I knew Grant and I know exactly what this family is going through. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, were you, the same year as Grant, or were you older, younger? Yeah, so I actually was three years older than Grant. So okay. I would have been a senior when he was a freshman. Um, but we had mutual friends as well as like I, I saw him, you know, around school and at sporting events and stuff. So he was definitely a very familiar face within my world. Okay. And I mean, you had mentioned to me that he he protected you uh, at certain points in, in high school. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So Grant actually defended me. I, there was kind of a situation at GCA, which I'll get into a little bit later, but um, it was just, it was very traumatic for me and it was really unfortunate. And Grant was one of the only people that truly went home and was upset about what had happened and wanted to do something about it and truly, truly stood up and said, you know, you're not going to talk about this kid. You're not going to, have rumors going around about this kid if I'm there. Um, right. So pretty much, you know, just Grant was 
was protecting me in that moment, I didn't even know it, you know, and, and that speaks so much for me to the fact that, you know, Grant stood up for me kind of behind a closed door. Yeah. And I want to reiterate, I, I will be speaking to a lot of former students from GCA and for those people out there that at this point might be wondering, well, what does that have to do with the death of Grant Solomon, the mysterious death of Grant that happened, you know, in a ditch in Gallatin? Well, I think it helps people to understand uh, the whole picture, everything that we're dealing with here in this case in Tennessee, the corruption, the cover-ups, and where it really stems from and or, or stemmed from. So, if you don't mind, could you just share with us um, your story of being at GCA? Absolutely. Um, so initially, I started GCA my senior year of high school, um, and this was in 2016. And prior to that, kind of something that a lot of people don't did not understand or have really any knowledge about is that before that, uh, I had been sent to treatment in North Carolina, as well as Kansas City. And these programs that I was sent to were targeted to be some of the best mental health programs offered to adolescents. Um, I was originally adopted from Ukraine, and I grew up with a lot of just distress and trauma and abandonment issues and depression and anxiety, and just like an overwhelming sense of sadness. And I think as I continued to get older, and I started struggling with these identity issues of, am, you know, am I gay? Am I straight? You know, my parents, for example, are very, very Caucasian. You know, I'm, I have dark skin. So there was another disconnect of where I felt like I wasn't really around many people that looked like me that had my heritage or anything. And it, and it really ate away at me to the point where I got extremely depressed, very suicidal, uh, I had three suicide attempts. I was hospitalized at Vanderbilt as an adolescent uh, for inpatient therapy for a couple weeks. Um, following that, I was on a lot of different medication and just nothing really seemed to work. And so my parents had found a neuropsychologist out of Nashville named James Walker. And they took me to see him. He did some psychological testing on me for a few hours and concluded that I was a very large risk uh, for myself. Um, as well as just, you know, I was not doing well mentally and I needed a lot of help very quickly where it could have been very traumatic. And so he connected my parents with an educational consultant. Uh, his name was Scott Hall. And within a matter of days, uh, they had picked out Second Nature Blue Ridge to send me to, which is a therapeutic wilderness program. Initially, I was told I'd be there for six weeks and I would come back home and I was sent to this program and I ended up being there for 91 days uh, without any communication and water to the point where I got Jardia. Uh, I was starved and for physical abuse um, and a multitude of other things. And it was it was truly hell. Um, and all of this was categorized as like a mental health malpractice for adolescents that are really struggling. Um, so really any, any person could have been sent here for any multitude of reasons. You didn't even need to be in like a mental health field. I mean, it could have literally been if you play too many video games, it was truly up to the parents and something important to note as well is these programs really target children that are in foster care as well as adoption. Um, and so I was sent to this program. My parents really had no idea the reality of what was happening because our communication was cut. 
And all the information that was being portrayed to my family from my therapist was a lie. Uh, and so long story short, after that, I was sent to Kansas City, Missouri, uh, to a place called Shelterwood Academy. It is thankfully closed down now. Um, but this was a therapeutic boarding school, um, a Christian therapeutic boarding school. Um, and so whenever arriving, obviously my conditions were a lot better. <laughs> I had toilet paper. I had a bed. I had food. I had a toothbrush. I mean, I, I had necessities. Um, but at the root of it, you know, it was still institutionalized abuse. I mean, these programs profit off of vulnerable people and sick children um, and label them as troubled and having a multitude of problems, whether it's mentally or you're in trouble with the police or really whatever. Um, they really kind of market you and target you as someone that needs a lot of help and fixing to the point where this is a multi-billion dollar industry every year uh, of profiting off of children. There's been multiple children that have lost their lives in these programs because of abuse, uh, as well as a lot of people who end up taking their lives once leaving these programs mm. and coming back. And thankfully, over the last few years, it's really turned into a movement uh, about the, the troubled teen industry. Um, and so people have on TikTok and whatever have really been able to kind of understand a little bit more of what these programs are and how they are a scam and how they are extremely abusive. And so I had been in the wilderness program for 91 days. And then I was at Shelterwood Academy for 11 months. So I left in the middle of my sophomore year and returned for my senior year. And so my family was like, we think that it's best that you go to a different school. You're in a smaller environment and you just start fresh. Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately, you know, I, I was open to that. And so I went and I looked at GCA that summer with my parents and I just felt something really weird about it, to be honest. Like I, I really did not want to go there. I was like, this is just a really small school mm-hmm. and I, I don't really, I don't know anyone. I don't want to have to make new friends. And, um, but you know, Robbie. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts. Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mason ultimately told me, he was like, you know, sometimes uh, the hardest decisions are not always the easiest. And so I ended up just, just going. And um, sorry. It's okay. Take your time. 
Um, initially, like I, whenever I was at my boarding school, I started writing music and that was mm -hmm. kind of a form of, of therapy for me. And so, like I said, it was a Christian program. Mm -hmm. And so I started leading worship at this boarding school every week. Um, and so whenever I came back home, that was a really big thing about GCA is that Robbie Mason was like, well, I'll let you lead worship every week. If you want to come to school here, there's a ton of people that are in the music industry and this will be a really great place for you, George. You'll love it. And so I kind of just, you know, I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And yeah. so I went to school there. I got connected somewhat quickly. I started leading worship every week. You know, my classes began. Um, and whenever I started going to Grace Chapel, I noticed like, wow, there are celebrities sitting in these in these seats. You know, there are really influential people that I'm not allowed to go up to and talk to because they're, they're too famous or whatever. Um, and so I kind of started getting that vibe and ultimately, you know, it, it, I, it made me want to be accepted in this community even more to the mm -hmm. point where, you know, I, I did really start going to church there. I really did start investing my time and my energy in the people around me, uh, all for spiritual reasons to the point where, I started a Bible study at my house every weekend. This was my senior year, mm -hmm. um, a Bible study at my house every weekend and would have anywhere from like 10 to 30 kids there. And this was pretty early on, you know, in the fall, I would say of my senior year. Okay. And I had a teacher that, um, you know, obviously I, I had no uh, connection or knowledge of them up until coming to the school, but I had a teacher who, was a part of the worship team for Grace Chapel every Sunday, as well as had children that went to the school and she was a female and she saw that I enjoyed leading worship. You know, she saw that I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to work in music specifically within the church, you know? And so that kind of started this conversation as to where she was like, I'm doing this, you know, I can show you these things. I can help you. I can mentor you. And to be really transparent, uh, this was not a, a red flag to me at all, because I was like, this is a, a female teacher. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not at this time, you know, it's like, I wasn't comfortable around men because a lot of my abuse came from grown men mm -hmm. in these programs. Like, you know, I, I heard people in the past, they would say something like, well, it's not good for a man to be mentored by a woman. I, I think that's complete bullshit. I think it's, I think women are, as powerful as men and can contribute as much knowledge as, as any man could. And so I truly didn't take that to heart, you know, and, and I just, I kind of leaned into it. I was like, this is a really caring teacher who is expressing that she believes in me and she wants to see me succeed. And I had no red flags. Mm -hmm. And so as I started doing this Bible study, I gave my teacher my cell phone number. And I said, Hey, I know your daughter is like a year younger than me. I'm having this Bible study. I would love it. If she, you know, if she wants to come, I'd love to have her. And she started to come. And so this teacher began to text me and it seemed like she would text me almost, if not every day, every other day. And she started to say things to me like, uh, you know, like we're family and I love you. And we, are, you know, spiritually, we're growing together and we're doing all these things. And ultimately I, I just didn't, part of me was like, women are not, uh, 
abusers or groomers because I had never experienced that before. Mm -hmm. And all of my abuse came from males. And it was something that I was very naive in. I was like, this is an older woman. This is, this is stupid. She has no interest in me. Right. And at the same time, I'm like, I'm gay. And so I, I just don't really. Were you out or no? I wasn't out, but I mean, it, I don't, you know, I struggled with it throughout high school. You know, people mm-hmm. thought my senior year made jokes that I was gay, bullied me that I was gay. I mean, it was like a, I'm sorry. It was just like a common thing that, mm-hmm. that I would hear. And so, but yeah, ultimately that was kind of how this situation began. And, you know, she started texting me and it was a situation where things almost like they, they kept just taking one step further and further and further to the point where I felt uncomfortable I didn't really know how to verbalize it, vocalize it, because, you know, this was just a, such a almost like a, a comical, surreal situation. And I think the moments when I really, really started to realize that something was off was we were in class one day and this teacher had a couch in their room and me and a couple other people were sitting on it. And she came and sat on the arm of the chair right next to me and fell off the side of it into my lap. Um, and with every person there. in the class yeah, with witnesses. Yeah. And so you can imagine the rumor started, you know, me and this teacher were, uh, whatever intimate or in love or whatever people wanted to say. And, uh, it was just like a very embarrassing situation. And as time progressed, you know, I felt weird because my peers were thinking, wow, you're a teacher's pet. This teacher is t- treating you so different. And in reality, it was like, you know, every time I was coming to class, she was hugging me. Every time I was leaving class, she was hugging me. She saw me in the hallways. She would come up and hug me and kiss me on the cheek. I mean, this was just kind of uh, a snowball effect. And ultimately, uh, as time progressed, you know, I I ended up graduating in 2017, May of 2017. And this teacher, like I said, was, was very involved within the church under Steve Berger, as well as was a English teacher at Grace. And uh, now I left right after I graduated. So everything that I'm about to say are from two very trusted people in my life that defended me when this happened and contacted Steve Berger when this happened, as well as have children that went to this school. Um, So ultimately what happened was this teacher left their cell phone in the bathroom and some students found this phone and started to go through it. Uh, And once they started to go through it, you know, they went through the camera roll like 90% of the photos in the camera roll were screenshots of me from my social media, from Instagram, from Facebook, from whatever. And then they went through the text messages and, you know, they see these, I love you's and these hearts from her and all this stuff. And it paints this, this (laughs) picture that is really misleading. Uh, and wow. Yeah. And, um, so, so these students took pictures on their personal cell phones um, of this and really, truly before anything could have been done, it spread like wildfire throughout the school. Um, so every student, a lot of students were thinking that I was having an affair with this teacher or I was sleeping with this teacher or whatever, you know, God knows what else. And when I was saying that Grant defended me, this is why 
because Grant knew that that was complete bullshit. Grant knew that that was wrong. Grant knew that that was grooming. You know, Grant knew that a middle-aged English teacher should not be falling into a 17-year-old's lap, kissing them on the cheek, trying to mentor them, inviting them over to their home, multiple things. Uh, so after this, this, these texts and pictures were discovered. Um, if you don't tell me she was fired, I'm going to blow a well, lid. Okay. So when the school became aware, Robbie Mason called me and asked me to come down to the school. And, and this you was graduated. Like, Sorry. I'm trying to, and I had already graduated. Okay, you graduated. Yeah, I had already... Were you 18 yet? Or were you still 17? Uh, I had just turned 18. You yeah, just at year. this point, but during all this, at you this were point, 16, yeah. 17. Now you're 18. Okay. So Robbie calls you. Yeah, you so go during, to school. Okay. Yeah. So like during my senior year, I was 17 to turn 18 that spring and then okay. yeah. And graduated. And so, but yeah, so uh, the school became aware. Robbie called me and asked me to come down there. Uh, when I got to the school, you know, I this was the last thing that I was expecting. I, I actually <laughs> had been talking to Robbie Mason about being like a part-time music teacher for the school. Wow. So initially, this is what I thought that he was contacting me about, right? Was like being a music teacher. No, <laughs> I came down to the school and... Uh, Robbie and Beckman started to question me. They seemed very just frazzled. They told me the situation and they were like, you know, we need to know what's going on immediately. Uh, and for a split second, it seemed like they really actually kind of cared. And, you know, and then towards the end of this, it was the spiritual manipulation, spiritual, like you're a terrible person, a bad Christian, you know, like you're a disgusting kid for wanting to do these things with an older woman. Uh, oh, you know, God. she came in. And started telling them like, no, 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 like we're, we're family. He's like my son to me. I'm mentoring him, you know, and something that she stated that really kind of grinds my gears today is, you know, I, I did share tiny bits and pieces with her about what I had experienced in these programs, you know, like, mm -hmm. and at this time I did not know what these programs were. I did not even know that I had been heavily abused. Right. Yeah. Like I, I had just, I felt like these are the cards that I was dealt. Mm. And I think ultimately, uh, I'm so sorry. I lost. No, I it's, it's okay. I do. Um, I'm dying to know George, what she said when she got into that office. Yes. yes yeah. I'm yes. dying to know. Uh, yeah. And she, you know, she told him like we're family I'm mentoring him. You know, he told me that he had a troubled past and was suicidal. And so I really wanted to help him through that, which to me, that is just one of my biggest, like, I'm so sensitive about that time of my life. And I'm, I am very careful. I mean, maybe not since I posted on TikTok now, but like at that period of time, this <laughs> yeah. was like a huge secret to me. Right. And so you're a kid, of course, I was a kid. Yeah. You know, and then once again, it was this label following me that I'm troubled, right. That, that I'm just kind of this scapegoat for whatever and whoever um and so they called her in they talked to her and that's what she said robbie mason then proceeded to call each kid individually who found the phone into his office uh he said you know george struggles with uh suicidal ideation has a troubled past and she's been helping him with that and yeah wow. and um right wow. and then uh he demanded, Robbie Mason demanded that they delete all of these photos off their phone that they took and immediately shut it down and not to tell anyone, not to tell their parents, 
And he went to the extent of making them sign an NDA. And if they couldn't, they could not graduate because they were seniors. Right? So if they didn't sign an NDA, uh, a non-disclosure about deleting what they saw as inappropriate pictures and texts in a teacher's phone to a student, they would not be able to graduate. How the hell does that? I mean, first of all, nothing makes sense. Before I comment, go ahead, finish Finish everything because I'm like I'm I'm beside myself. My blood is boiling. But well, Robbie then had the audacity to tell these students uh, that they were so lucky because this is a godly woman and she could charge them with slander for doing this. Oh, and um, so fall of 2017, Steve Berger and Mark Bright are informed through email that this happened. There were a couple people that, on my behalf, sent an email to Pastor Steve Berger telling them that this happened, this seems very odd and it needs to be looked into. Um, And then, like I said, you know, he continued to let this teacher sing in the choir, be a teacher, be a big part of this community in the school. The teacher Um, that um, tried to groom you and was inappropriate with you. Is that correct? Correct. That's correct. Wow. Um, Wow. So I just want to make sure I'm getting all of this, this straight. (laughs) <laughs> this teacher not only did not lose her job, she was even more so involved, it seemed. And she also aired personal things about you to the administration. And then in turn, which went to students, which is so inappropriate, and then made you feel like you were the one that did something wrong. Correct. And I, and that's what they do. I mean, these people use their spirituality and use their power and they use big words and they have authority over you, you know, when you're a student and they scare you by, you know, threatening your future or threatening your reputation or, you know, threatening the fact that you are a bad person in this world. You're a bad Christian. Like you don't belong. Um, and I think like that's truly a way, you know, I remember when I was at GCA, there was just so much bullshit that went on mm-hmm. that, I look back on now and I'm like, wow, this was just too much. But the people that are in power, the Steve Berger, Robbie Mason, Sam Johnson, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. all of these people, Bill Lee, right? Um, yeah. They have money and they have power and they are connected with the Franklin Police Department. Uh, They're connected with so many powerful people to the point where your narrative will be twisted you will be the bad guy you will be the one that is uh picking up the broken pieces that they have caused Mm, what a creepy place to end an interview um but thank you to george for sharing his story i hope this gives people a better idea of how franklin works and the surrounding areas and i know that sometimes this small town stuff can be a little cliche but I don't know how how small is it and how cliche is it if multiple people are coming forward and and sharing stories like this. If you want to follow George, you can follow him on TikTok and on Instagram with the handle at Walt is my middle name. Anyway, thank you again for listening to the podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode and I hope everyone has a happy fourth. And like I said, please don't forget to keep Angie and Gracie in your prayers. 
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.